You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast alongside Mike Chappell. I'm Dave Griffiths. Joe Hopkins here on the board as well. And if you are a devoted Colts Blue Zone Podcast listener, you know how we have to start this podcast if you are at all familiar with uh, the comings and goings of the Indianapolis Colts this week. And it is a truly sad day for, for myself, Dave Griffiths, because Syracuse's own Steve Ishmael knee injury during practice and uh he's going to be he's going to be out for the entire season injured reserve and and to be honest like i really don't want to joke too much about this uh, be, because uh, we have fun with steve ishmael but it, it's it's a kid who's working to make his this, this, in the NFL. this is what he's trying to do exactly so so i, I i'm not going to have fun with it but i did want to start with it and i'll just, have a little fun it with it i'm surprised you haven't got a black armband i know but i, I it's I, I cried myself to sleep no but, but, but again this is one again this is in the media, and we're all guilty of it. We are, is we we tend to make light of the guys at the bottom. You know, the the guys from seventy to ninety on the roster who are they're out there working their butts off. Oh and, yeah, and they're and they're pursuing a dream, and and we sort of discard these guys, and it, it's 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 easy to do and it's wrong to do, and we all and we all fall into that. But you know, you watch the the, the game Thursday with Buffalo, and you're going to watch the Cincinnati game. We're going to say oh, the game means nothing. No, to, to, to uh, twenty of these players or so, th- th- this is they're, they're they're trying to pursue their dream. So, as much as we occasionally, you know, make light of it, th- th- this this is their livelihood, and they're trying to pursue it. And those games, if they don't um, impact the last two or three roster spots on the fifty-three, they certainly impact who's going to make the practice squad, Mike. Because I mean, I even look back to Steve Ishmael last year in the preseason. I'll bring him up because he made probably the best offensive play of last preseason. It was like a 45-yard reception against the Baltimore Ravens where it got up, went up, fought for a ball, came down with it. And I don't know, it, it's probably not that play specifically, but just the fight that he showed throughout training camp, throughout the preseason. And heck, even this year, I, I've, I've been out there watching him because, I mean, I love my boy. But he fights better than most receivers. He's not the biggest guy, but I, I've seen him going against Kenny Moore in one-on-one drills, and he just gets right up into him. He's very physical. That's one of his strengths as a wide receiver, and that's that's what you want to see with your guys near the bottom of the roster who are just clinging and scratching and clawing. And he was one of those guys that embodied that. And it, it's, it is sad for me, obviously, to see him injured, but it should be sad for Colts fans to see him injured because of just what he brought to the field every play because he's the type of guy you want near the end of your roster fighting for those spots because he makes everyone around him better. Well, again, we, we sort of make light of the preseason games, and we certainly will when the Cincinnati game rolls around. Oh, I'm uh, yes. But what you have to keep in mind is as hard as it's going to be for the Colts to make their cuts, they're deep at this position, that position. Other teams aren't. Other teams may need a receiver. Other teams may need a cornerback. So when they see these guys playing in preseason, playing in Cincinnati, when the Colts cut a guy, it's what the Colts have done in the past. They've cut and got to 53, and then they found somebody that New England or somebody else gets rid of. Like Kenny Moore. That's better than what you kept. So th- this is game tape, and it's coach speak, but it's game tape for 31 other teams. And players need to remember that. If they don't make it here, 
there's 31 other teams that are looking for players. Well, with Ishmael now gone, the Colts signed running back Aka Cedric Ware as an undrafted free agent. He spent some time in Indy earlier in camp. He was released. Well, now he's back, and that was not the only move the Colts made this week. Also claiming running back Dante Foreman off of waivers. He was waived by the Houston Texans this week. So a couple running backs added to that room trying to beef up that position before the preseason starts. Um, and uh, with Foreman, he's a, he's a guy who was drafted a couple years ago. He went to the University of Texas, drafted to Houston, so stayed in Texas. And uh, ESPN's Adam Schefter tweeted out after Foreman was waived, he said, Houston feels like Foreman needs a fresh start and needs to grow up. So you never want to hear that if you're a fan of a guy that they're bringing in. Like, Worth oh, a guy. Exactly. So, uh, but he, he's a guy that comes with a little bit of baggage here with the Colts. And still, I don't know if we'd see him in this first preseason game because he's just coming in, but nevertheless, he's going to get his opportunity this training camp. I think this, I sort of compare this with Jalen Collins last year. You bring him in, and it, it, it's high reward, no risk. And if it works, he, then you've got a young kid, who has who, who proven in the past, yes, he's got an injury concern and maybe a work ethic issue, but these players, sometimes the lights go on mm-hmm. and they realize that, okay, it didn't work out there. This was a, you know, a, a wake-up call. If it doesn't work, you move on. And, you know, somebody asked Frank Reich about, well, we'll form and play, and he sort of said no, and he said, well, we'll see how maybe there's situations. But I think you're asking for injury. You're asking for something. I realize he's he's been uh, with the Texans, but – the the fact that they signed where, the other where, I Cedric where I think he's 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 the one that knows the offense and he and uh, maybe Jordan Wilkins and Jonathan Williams they're going to be the the main ball carriers maybe Naheem Hines a little Marlon Mack won't play I don't know maybe I play Marlon Mack a little bit in the third game I don't know I I I always thought the players need to play it a little bit just because, so I don't want that first hit the first series to be against the Chargers, but I'm sort of getting in with the uh, the how the coaches are looking at it is let's let's get to September eighth healthy, as healthy as possible because you've already you know you lost Ishmael. It could have been someone higher up the food chain. Yes, it could have. You know, last year in, the, in that season or the preseason opener they lose uh, Marlon Mack with a hamstring and they lose and Deion, Deion Kane. Kane, and you even lose uh, Costanzo prior to training camp. So you, you, we've seen it in training camp how they've really. They've gone hard at times, but they're not out there for three hours. They're they're really trying to get you know the quality over quantity. It's the idea to get to the regular season healthy. And I figure if you're the Colts, you feel okay about how this first seven to ten days have gone. Again, that's what Chris Ballard said. The first week or week plus of training camp is always the one that really jumps up and bites you if you look at stats across the NFL. And for the Colts, it's been – I don't think you can say Andrew Luck was really injured during this time. He re-aggravated his injury. Jabal Sheard on the defensive side. Steve Ishmael knocked out. It, it, it's not the A.J. Green that's out for six to eight weeks because of it's, something It's hamstrings so that are keeping you out a week, two weeks. Uh-huh. And, and I don't want to downplay those because Paris Campbell's missed about two weeks now. Yep. And this is a guy that they fully expect to be not eased in, but he's going to play. You've, you've got Paris Campbell. We had a list. Paris Campbell, Jack Doyle. Ross Travis, uh, Ryan Kelly has a practice for a few days, Ben Banigou. So you've got people missing time that they're going to be big players. I would just like to say that 
this is the first time you correctly pronounced Banigou on the podcast on your first try. That was very impressive. It, it was probably a mistake that, <laughs> that I probably won't repeat. Fantastic. Um, Banigou? Ben Banigou. Yeah, there you go. Back to Dante Foreman for a second. Um, he did show some promise in Houston before he tore his Achilles tendon in, uh, in November 2017. And that, that's a hard injury to come back from, Mike, your Achilles, especially if you're a running back. And uh, he's a big running back, too. He was 230-plus pounds and ran a 4-4 at his pro day coming out of college. Still a pretty young guy. Um, so <laughs> that thing has to heal completely and totally if you want to come back and be, be the man that you were. But from everything you, you read in Houston, it wasn't the Achilles that was the issue. Right, it, it was attitude right. and work ethic, and, and and he sort of dismissed that and wouldn't engage on getting in a tit for tat. But it, again, if if this guy can be what the Texans thought he was initially, uh, again, it, it's it's great upside. If it doesn't work, you move to the next guy. Mm-hmm. There's there's always a, you know JJ is still out there. There's always a running back you can plug in, uh, and, and then you hope again that you hope that. Marlon Mack plays 14 games because running backs are going to miss a game or two. They just do because of the position. But you need to have somebody in line to be that number two guy. And, again, I'm not, I, I, I've i never thought it was Naheem Hines. I don't want it to be Jordan Wilkins. I think he's got a place on the team, but not as a short-term fix for uh, Marlon Mack. So maybe this is a guy, but I just always reserve – you know, the hype machine until we see how he does a couple of weeks down the road. And, of course, Chris Ballard will keep pumping the Jonathan Williams hype machine as much as he can. And, and, and I'll tell you, <laughs> Jonathan Williams is going to get a lot of opportunities to show what he can do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Certainly will. Um, we'll touch on Spencer Ware quickly. The Colts placed him on the pup list, which it's it's called the reserve physically unable to perform list. And I saw a national reporter tweeted it out, and it was like, his season is done. That's not true. His season is right. not done. And even Spencer went on Twitter after he was like, my season is not done. So first, that what the list does is it puts you basically on the bench for six weeks. You're not allowed to play with the team for the first six weeks of the regular season. You're not allowed to practice with the team for the first six weeks of the regular season. Then you can start coming back and start practicing with the team again and then work your way back into game shape. So Spencer Ware's season is not over. He still wants to play this season. And just based on what he said on Twitter, it's, it seems like that's going to be the case, that he will play at least at some point this year, but it's not going to be for the first couple weeks. Um, certainly not the preseason, not the first couple weeks of the regular season. So you got Marlon Mack there, who, like you said, is not going to play. It's going to be Jordan Wilkins. It's going to be Jonathan Williams. It's going to be Aka Cedric Ware. It's going to be Naheem Hines. And that's going to be kind of your main crop of backs right now for the first, for certainly for um, for Thursday's game at Buffalo. And then perhaps uh, even beyond that, maybe working Dante Foreman into the mix by preseason game number two. So that's, uh, that's the players uh, in the backfield beside the quarterback. And, um, I know we talked for a half hour in the last episode about Andrew Luck's injury, but we should certainly update you at least a little bit with uh, this week. And uh, the update is there's no significant update that he <laughs> has not practiced. But nevertheless, um, what uh, what Coach Frank Reich said this week when asked about Andrew Luck, what has he done differently in the past couple of days compared to last week? Um, Reich said Reich said this. He said he's working through a different series of exercises or, for lack of a better word, an upgraded, more dynamic series of exercises that would challenge him even more physically, get more strength, but also where there's a few movement things involved and dynamic movement stuff that all seems to be going well. So we, when we talked about luck last week, he was the one saying that um, 
he needed things to be more regimented. He in what limited time he had in practice, it was the changing. It was the it was the unknown that was really getting to him in terms of playing with this calf injury. So he needed to dial it back, control the controllables, if you will, a little bit more. And uh, so the, the the sound here from, or the quote here rather from Frank Reich seems to be saying that they were trying to make things quote more dynamic. And to me, that's maybe a l- working a little bit more of the unknown into things, like have Andrew Luck be a little bit more uh, reactionary instead of structured. And that is what's going to have to be really a first step toward getting back on the field. If Luck wants to be back on the field where things are dynamic and not structured, that he's going to have to get comfortable with that. And uh, maybe we'll see if he is comfortable with that when they reevaluate him on Friday after they get back from Buffalo. Yeah, the question is going to be when he's back out there. Let's say he's back out there Saturday. I don't, that, I don't know if that's realistic or not, but does he go back to, to square one with how he opened training camp? Is it individual work the first day, second day is it seven on seven, and then do you do you move on to, to teamwork? Because w- what they've got to do, and what the, like I agree with you with this, the, the, more, the heavier dynamics, I think what they want, again, upgraded dynamics, they, they want him to play quarterback. Yep. To, to where you you it, it it's sort of scripted, but but you still have to make the sudden moves and and sudden changes, and that's what it, it's obvious to me that he wasn't comfortable with doing what he did. What what's it been two weeks ago? He's missed seven straight practices, I believe. But one thing to keep in mind, and, and Frank Reich has made this very clear since for the last ten days, Andrew Luck is driving this truck. Yes, he's been you know oh, we'll talk we'll talk we'll talk, but in the end, it's Andrew. How do you feel? And only Andrew can can answer. How does how does the calf feel when you do this? When you do that? And their their overriding concern is let's not make this a maintenance issue into the season, to where you practice Wednesday, you're off Thursday because you need to rest it, and then you practice Friday. They don't want that. Now they may have that, and maybe there's. I would assume there's probably going to be some degree of maintenance throughout the season because. Why should we think that in the next three weeks, what's taken three months hasn't right. healed? You know, the, the, you know, there's a glow on on, on Lux's calf and all, all's well. So I, I no. know, I know. So I think it's going to be some level of an issue, but they don't want it to be an issue to where he's limited in practice, he can't practice, and heaven forbid that the thing's not because one thing they're doing now they're really working on the strength of the calf, the strength of it, because the last thing you want again is him to go out there and play the position and then really have not just a minor setback, but you, you know, you tear it or something. And then, and then he's probably, if he would have a major setback with this calf, you're, you're talking maybe two months without your quarterback. Mm-hmm. So that's what they're trying to guard against. Well, we're always wondering when, when, when in their mind, they have to have, if he, if he practices one solid week, two weeks, you know, I kind of thought that I'd hope he was out there this week, this past week, just because, is he out there the Cleveland week? I, I don't know. If he is, to me, it'll still be the 7-on-7. Seven seven. The week of the Bear game, he's just got to be out there practicing because yeah. you need X number of practices. I've harped on this, and don't tell me practice is important and then say, well, you know, he's he's special. He can just go out there and wing it. Well, that, that's not true. So I think he needs a good couple weeks, and if he gets it back there before the Chicago game, he's not going to play against the Bears. We talk, can you imagine Chuck Pagano being the guy that applies the hit to him. That, oh, my gosh. I know. But I, I do oh, think he no, needs please. to be out there that week practicing. So then 
that next week you're out there. We won't know until this weekend or maybe even uh, when the Browns come to town. So you certainly would not subscribe to the idea that, oh, Andrew Luck's a nine-year veteran. He's fine. He played all last year. He doesn't need any preseason work at all. Well, not not preseason games work. I okay. I, I would be okay. Or any practice really he need He needs a couple. Yeah. He's, got, he's just got to have a couple of weeks. I think there are quarterbacks, a lot of them, can, cannot practice and play. T.Y. Hilton last year. He didn't practice for the last six weeks. I don't know what it was. Yeah, he couldn't and, practice. He could barely play. And then he played. Yeah, and he so, played very that, again, well. That's not I say a, he could barely play. He played right, very well. He right. could, yeah, you know what I mean. But 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 that that's not ideal. Again, they, they practice for a reason. And we could argue that the level of practice, we'd always get queue up the Allen Iverson practice. Talking man. about practice? We're talking about practice. Well, yeah, we're, we're talking about practice. And at some point, and I realize Luck's working his ass off away from our eyes. He is. Mm-hmm. We talked to him, whatever it was, seven, ten days ago, and he and he's dripping wet. Mm-hmm. He, he's working. But it's it's not the same. He'll be the first to tell you it's not the same. And sooner rather than later, he needs to practice with his teammates, Devin Funches, Paris Campbell, uh, all the new players. And, you know, I, I, again, I'm at DEFCON three and a half. Yeah. If we get to the Chicago week and he's not practicing, I'll go to a full DEFCON three. But at some point, the QB's got to play. Got to okay. practice. Coach Frank Reich has said that he's taking every snap in the afternoon walkthrough, so nobody else is touching uh, the ball there, standing behind center for for all that, which but, they call but, live but, until the snap. But we're talking walkthrough. Exactly. We're not, we're not talking practice. Completely. Right. Completely different. I just wanted to throw that out there. Right. And like asking Jacoby Brissett just about what he's seen Andrew Luck doing back uh, off the field, he said, yeah, of course he's putting in the work. He's still here. He, he has to be here or he'll be fine. <laughs> so uh, that's, that's Jacoby Brissett's thoughts on the situation. And one thing that was interesting, and it's what you would expect, is someone asked Frank Reich about when does your concern really ramp up? Mm -hmm. And he sort of said, it doesn't, and it can't. Remember when Frank Reich uh, interviewed for the job last year with Ballard and and, uh, Ursay? He never, he says, and I believe him, Lux's name never came up. Mm -hmm. Will, Will he be available? It never came up. If a coach starts giving the indication of, boy, this is lingering, I don't know what we're going to do if Lux is out there, then then you've lost the battle. So as a coach, you have to you – know, I, I used to get fined in the media room for saying next man up. Hmm. But that that is what it is. And if a coach and, – and, and Frank Reich learned that really strong from Tony Dungy to where you can't show – if you have a concern, you keep it to yourself. You can't give your team – the impression that, boy, we're screwed this week because player X isn't out there. And I, I don't think he's just whistling past the graveyard. I think he believes that, and you have to believe that. You have to have your – don't preach that this is a 53-man roster and then say, but if three guys aren't out there, we, we can't compete. And, and that's what he's important to his team. Some other injuries of note before this first preseason game, guys, that uh, will miss uh, the game at Buffalo on Thursday. Jack Doyle dealing with his oblique. Um, had been held out of camp for several practices. Um, uh, do you think injuries are are starting to take their toll on Jack, or is this is this a Jack Muhort situation, or is he just the victim of a little bit of bad luck? I think the oblique. Mike, I asked Jack if this was related to the hip. He said no, it's related to playing football. Yeah, and I think what we're seeing with some of these guys, Jack might be one of them. They're really trying to err on the side of caution. They're going to, and even Frank Reich said. I told Jack this gives him a chance to really get stronger and really get all the way back from the hip. So I, I 
the seriousness of some of these, the, the ones that concern me, Ryan Kelly, I, 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 I don't know, he's missing time. He's missed time in the past with injuries. Banigou again, he's miss, he, he's, he needs to play, and he's missing valuable reps because Jabal Sherrod's out. Right, that would have been a golden opportunity Certainly. for him to play. Paris Campbell's missed time. I, I mean, two weeks. Ross Travis. And again. So is, is it a concern? Sure it is. And these are sort of what they've tried to avoid, the soft tissue injuries the first seven days of camp, and we've seen them crop up. Penny Hart, the rookie, undrafted rookie uh, receiver, has missed a ton of time. So it's concerning, and it's going to keep X number of these players out of the preseason games. Certainly Kelly and Banigou and Campbell and and Travis and Doyle and a few others won't play. Sooner rather than later, you like to see these guys start getting back because you're, you're simply, because of the nature of what they're doing, they're going to lose players in the next two or three weeks in games. You, you just do. You just hope it's, it's no one super important, and you hope it's not something that's serious. And with Jabal Sheard, uh, a name that you didn't list in your in your group there, but he's just as important to the defense as, as almost any other right. Colt, I would say, right now. Darius Leonard up there, Malik Hooker up there. Uh, Jabal Sheard has started all 34 games, including the playoffs, since he came to Indy uh, two years ago. So all 16 regular season games last year, two years ago, all 16 regular season games last year, both of the postseason games. The next most is Al Woods, who's not on the roster anymore. He started 24 games over the last two weeks. Uh, two weeks. Started 24 games over the last two years. And the next most on the roster is Marcus Hunt, who started 22. So from 34 down to 22. He started 12 more games than anyone else on the defensive side of the ball on the current Colts roster. That, that speaks immediately to his value. And uh, had a procedure on his knee to address the swelling that's going on in there. And once again, that procedure in there, the, the magic word. So he had a little minor surgery, if you want to call it minor surgery. Again, if there's any way to, to say it's minor. But um, Frank Reich was asked if this could um, creep into the regular season, impact Jabal Sheard's availability there. And Reich said that's a possibility. So immediately didn't, didn't squelch it right away. Uh, but again, day to day, a little too early to project that. We're optimistic. He's making good progress. Uh, I think we're more than a week away, so I don't want to say too much. Uh, so there, we, we we try to make sense of what he meant by a week away. Does that mean a week away before he's back on the field? Right. We really didn't know. And again, with with, with Jabal, he's a guy that I would contend is is one of the top one or two free agent signings since 2012. Mm-hmm. I'd put him there with Eric Walden. Uh, the bang for the buck you've gotten with with shared is incredible. Uh, we talked in one of our more recent podcasts about guys that would I would resign because of his value to the defense. Shared was one of them, and now I'm I, I'm being talked off that ledge by a lot of people because he mm-hmm. is thirty thirty one, and they've taken steps to get younger in I don't want to say better, but younger type position with the Banigou and, and with. Uh, Gary Green and people like that, and Muhammad's playing well. Yeah. So, uh, but to, to, you can't dismiss Sherrod's value to this defense. He just does everything well, and at the end of the season, his stat line gives you a little bit of everything. As for what uh, Matt Eberflus wants to see from his defense, we'll we'll touch on that, I guess, since uh, since we're talking a little Jabal Sherrod. There was a quote that Matt Eberflus said about um, what he wants to see that I think kind of ties in a little bit. He says, 
you're just looking really at the young guys this first time out, like you were talking about, those young guys on the defensive line in particular. You want to see those guys perform and tackle. You want to see if they can execute, do the basic fundamentals of each defense we call. We're not going to run a lot of defenses like we did last preseason, and that's by design. So there's a little bit of a difference of an approach for the Colts for this preseason as opposed to last preseason, Mike. Last preseason, they were trying to start an, a whole new whole new scheme, offensive and defensive side of the ball. Everyone, veterans or first-year guys, were all trying to get used to it, so they had to throw everything at them, get out there in the preseason, see what has stuck, and then work on what hasn't. This year, you figure you have a little bit more of a base. You have a little bit more of a foundation, and you can work, as Iberflus said, on the fundamentals. So expect, I would say, a vanilla defense and probably on the other side of the ball, a vanilla offense as well in this first preseason game on Thursday if Matt Eberflus is to be believed here. Right, but but what but what you what he wants to see is effort. Yes. Effort and being you know, being on your assignments, being on your technique, and, and again that sounds coach speak, but that's what they want. Remember the one thing that we all had fun with last year that the players didn't was Eberflus's loafs. Mm-hmm. The one game that Leonard had was at Washington where he had 19 tackles. Yeah, the second game of the season, yeah. He had like six or seven loafs, and you're thinking, serious? And that's what Eberflus, his point is, there's no reason you can't hustle every play. That that's a, that should be a given. Uh, that's what he wants to see, and we're going to see a lot of these young players. We all believe that Rock Yassin's going to, they're going to find a way to get this kid on the field. Mm-hmm. They have to. Whether it's your third corner, whether it's your fourth corner, and nickel, maybe they got to tell you, we were talking maybe when they go nickel, instead of having three corners and two safeties, they have four corners and, and, and Malik Hooker. And, and maybe you've you seen joins Wilson, Desir, and, and more in that. So you're, as much as we expect you seem to be a, a major player in the defense, he's got to play. You know, and you want to, you know, Marvell Tail's going to play, EJ Speed's going to play. So they want to see how these young kids, Darius Leonard, I don't think he plays much, if, if at all, this week. I, I, why? Mm-hmm. He had a sort of a, a scary moment last week where he's going down and they're working on his – he had back spasms. And Ooh, he went, he went back out there and he looked like he had back spasms. Yeah. So, But he's out there, he was out there the next day, didn't miss time. But certain players you simply know, Justin Houston, does he need to play? Why? Uh, but you've got young players – Tyquan Lewis probably needs to play. He he he, yep. he missed most of the first half of the season, so you're not going to see the defense you're expecting to see as far as you know, like you said, scheming. Kamoko Ture, he probably needs to play. Mm-hmm. So I, I just think it's 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 like you said, vanilla, but it's vanilla with 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 energy because again, the one thing that you you shouldn't have to teach is going full bore. It will be, for those guys, it will be working on your technique against the offensive line. That's, that's, what, that's what Iberflus wants to see. Can Kamoko Ture beat somebody off the edge? Right. They're one-on-one with an NFL offensive tackle. There's no scheme to help you. There's no stunt. There's no, like, you're standing up and then make the rush. It's, it's one-on-one. It's, and it's someone you've not played against yet. Exactly, that too. After uh, three weeks of camp, let's see a new face and let's see a new technique, and that's what they're going to see. Could be another young guy that there's no tape right. of this other young guy at all. So it's a guy, see what you can do on your feet, thinking through it, and uh, fail and come back again and, right. and, and do better the next time. So you bring up Rock Yassid, and he's a guy who has certainly had one of the best training camps, I think. Uh, he's stood out, I would say. 
And he's a guy that I remember going back to all of our draft preview stuff. I didn't mention Rocky Seen too much. I had some other cornerbacks if I thought that the Colts were going to take cornerback because Yassine was more of a physical player, more of a man-to-man guy, and the Colts had done more zone in the past. So they're still going to be a zone team, I think, but they're going to mix in a little bit of man here and there. And his physical, his toughness, that's something that has uh, has impressed Coach Frank Reich, at least, uh, through the first couple weeks of camp, specifically talking about his toughness, his competitiveness. You feel his presence out there, and that's the type of presence that could uh, that, that we want to see in, in this preseason from him. We were talking again and watching practice. He's, he's just got a presence about him. And I, I through my years, there have been a handful of players, I see defensive players, that when you first see them, the way they carry themselves, they just belong. I go. I go back to Ray Buchanan in the '90s. I go back. He was a he was a great corner, corner slice safety. Uh, Gerard Powers, Antoine Bethay. They just they just belong. They, they belong from the first day there. And a lot of those guys were starters from day one. Antoine Bethay. There was no question. Yeah. Now I'm not saying these guys are starters from day one, but the game's not too big for him. The moment's not too big for him. And I just don't think all of a sudden come Thursday night or come against the Raiders or the, the Chargers that he's going to shrink because, oh, my goodness, what the stage I'm on. So I think it, it is contagious. And one thing is, as much as he's used to more playing zone than man or, or man than zone, they're going to play a lot of man. I, I think they're going to play more man this year than they have in the past. And he's shown in, in practice aggressiveness and stick to in, in either scheme. He's not shied away from whomever he's covering. They may have found a pretty good player in Rocky Scene. They have a pretty good wide receiver in Chester Rogers who has uh, maybe flown under the radar from our perspective, but he's having a pretty good camp too. And one thing, you, you see guys like a Darius Fountain or um, – well, let's just use him as an example. He's made a couple of good, flashy, down-the-field plays during this training camp. But when you bring him up to the coaching staff, it's like, yeah, we're working on consistency. Right. The thing with Chester Rogers is you don't have to worry about his consistency. He, he's, like that, he's got that locked in, and that's something that you, if you're a quarterback, you need to be able to rely on your wide receivers. So as much as we, over the past few podcasts, have questioned, will Chester Rogers make this final 53-man roster, he's showing something that everyone else still has to be working on and that's just to be able to, to be able to be relied upon. He's been he's been the most consistent receiver not named TY Hilton. And someone mentioned or asked uh, Nick Sirianni about Chester Rogers and how what we've talked about how the consistency and how he's he, he's overlooked and he just he smiled he says, you know, he's the guy that every year you seem to want to bring somebody in to replace him and he sort of shakes his head and said, "We'll see." Mhm. And from talking to a couple people with the Colts, I've sort of come to the decision that they're going to keep six receivers and four tight ends and four running backs. Now, how you make that work with the roster, I don't know. But but six receivers, I really think that's what they want to do. That's Again, barring another injury or two to where you have to keep somebody extra because of shared – and heaven forbid if, and we've talked about this before, what, what happens if Lux Kath is an ongoing issue? And you have to keep three quarterbacks, keep, maybe. That would, yeah. be a, that would be an absolute killer. Yeah. But ideally, they want to keep six receivers, and Chester Rogers will be one of those guys. And I remember talking to Rick Venturi 
the last few years. And remember when Griff Whalen was here mm-hmm. and the media and, and you just fall in love with Griff Whalen because you know what you're getting. There's one thing you don't do with Griff Whalen. You never underestimate him. True. Well, but but but, but Rick, Rick's point was, the problem is you know what you're getting with Griff Whalen. Yep. And again, I don't mean to, to to diss on the guy, but he's got a ceiling, and I think you can argue that Chester Rogers has a ceiling that he probably hasn't reached yet. But if he's your fourth or fifth receiver, that's not too bad. Uh, so, and and more than that, they, they've you watch special teams and you watch these guys trying to be punt returners. And Paris Campbell did it early, did it in the OTA, and it looked pretty good. Then he gets out in training camp, and he's he's putting the ball on the ground. And Heem Hines has had a couple of – he had issues last year with yep. it. And you watch Chester Rogers, and he just catches the ball. And that sounds crazy, but the number one job of a punt returner is, is don't screw up. Mm-hmm. And if you get a 7 or 8, 10 yards, 15 yards, great. So I, I think that it's – I always it's a different level, but I remember how they, we always wanted the Colts to get better than Donald Brown, the running back. Mm-hmm. And come November, Donald Brown's out there as your running back. So it, it's it, it's it's going to be tough to cut Chester Rogers because he does a lot for you. And yes, he's has a, he has those drops occasionally that just you know have you scratching your head. But he's had a really good camp, and he's going to be hard to cut. I, I, I'm thinking he probably doesn't get cut because you know what you're getting, and and it's not. The great receiver, but it's not too bad. You bring up his skill on just catching punts and a punt return. It's, it seems so stupid to say that that's a valuable skill. It really does. But the funny thing is, if you're ever out on a practice field and you see the jugs machine out there for the punts that they're doing, if, like, if an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman or a linebacker or anybody else is out there and they're just goofing off and they're about to return a punt, like... Even super athletic NFL guys have no idea what they're doing back there. You see them running one way and then sprinting back the other, trying to dive for a ball because they completely misjudged it. Like, if it was me out there, if it was us out there, if it was, of course, Joe out there, I mean, my... My goodness, like we we would be tripping over our. They, they have promotions during game or it breaks yeah. in games to that, and, and people that they miss it by like ten yards. Like this, is, it's harder <laughs> than you think. It's not just seeing a ball go up. Everybody thinks, oh, I can catch a football. I can follow a ball that's been thrown in the air, and I can catch. It, it is not just thrown in the air. The ball that is punted way up in the sky is so much harder to judge where it is coming down. It's more difficult than kickoffs too. Kickoffs is a little bit more set. Punts is just a different animal, and Chester Rogers seems to have it down. It is a skill that he does better than probably anybody else on this roster. So that's certainly a a case making point that uh, he deserves a spot on the fifty three. And even if it's as a six wide receiver, perhaps Chester Rogers will be that six wide receiver to be I've, there. I've always thought punt returner is something that you are. I think it's really hard to turn a guy who's not, who's not done that into a punt returner because again it, it's yes it, it's the ball and it's you get the wind and all that but it's also you've got the gunners coming down I just think it takes a s- certain mentality some of it's a little bit crazy mentality because it's always you make the first guy miss well what if the first guy doesn't miss mm-hmm. so I just think there's that special guy that you have to be wired the right way to be a punt returner again we, Paris Campbell was a kick returner in college and was pretty good and he's shown some, some some inconsistency in training camp after being pretty good during the OTAs. 
We've seen guys come in here before. Uh, uh, Philip Dorsett, Naheem Hines last year. You just can't have mistakes. You know, the, the defense makes a great stand, and you're all pumped up, and your punt returner puts the ball on the ground. It's just deflating. It's a, it's a game-turner. That's why we talked all along about Paris Campbell. He, you know, he's going to be a major weapon for the offense, and boy, if he can do punt returns, that makes Chester Rogers expendable. Not so fast. <laughs> Slow your roll. That's right. Yeah. Um, let's see. What else? Training camp impressions that we have. We've talked Rocky Seen. We've talked Chester Rogers. I uh, made a note here that the defensive line has played pretty well this training camp. Obviously, you get very limited uh, view of what they do against an offensive line. There's a whole lot more individual drills that we see there, and there's more seven-on-seven stuff with uh, wide receivers, cornerbacks, and all that. But in the time that we have seen them against offensive lines, I mean, they're not having a half-bad training camp. That front that front seven, and in particular the front four, seems to be, even without Jabal Sheard, performing relatively well, Mike. One thing that's always fun to watch, and we touched on it last week, is watch the individual drills when it's pass rush. Yeah. It's ends against it, it it's Justin Houston against Costanzo. It's it's really good on really good. And, and that and that's how we, we talked up with each one of them and Costanzo's got all the praise in our world for Houston and Houston says Costanzo's one of the best left tackles in the league. Mm-hmm. People around here don't tend to believe that. It's, it's amazing. Fools. All of them are fools. It, it, it's amazing how every year there there's somebody like, you know, Joe doesn't like Adam Vinatieri. Exactly. So, so, but there, there, there's so many people that discount Costanzo. Like, get somebody else. Serious? Mm-hmm. No. Again, my concern's always been who's your backup. Costanzo's he, he's he's a top ten left tackle. He just is. Alt's missing our Pro Bowls, and that's so much on reputation. But we, we've seen Tyquan Lewis played well. Grover Stewart's played well. So it, it's a really Danico Autry. So it's been a very it's been very cool watching the the offensive line, which is a which is a strength for the team, and the defensive line, which is going to be a position of strength, go against each other. Very fun to watch. We've mentioned some of these already, but we're going to shift to our uh, kind of a, more of a Colts Bills preview for this Thursday night, this first preseason game. But guys who aren't playing, Andrew Luck not playing. Sorry, Marlon Mack, a healthy scratch. Um, we have not seen him nicked up at all in this training camp, but no. he will not play. He's not. I don't think he's. Maybe he's been held out one day for maintenance, but he's practiced virtually every day. So you should feel good about that. Exactly. Uh, if you see Marlon Mack on the sideline, don't do not freak out. Right. It is it is just unless there's a wrap or something on his ankle or leg or shoulder. Then I give you permission to freak correct. out. Ryan Kelly will miss the game. He's missed a couple practices now, which shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. And it's, you, need, you need to practice. Yeah. Ben Banigou, who Banigou. you nailed right on the head the first time out, which these are rookies. Ben Banigou, Paris Campbell, man, those are disappointing to see those guys' names on this list, Mike. You want to see them out in a preseason game. Uh, a lot? No. Some, yes. Yes. I, again, you just can't assume that because he's looked good in practice and you liked him in college that, that he's going to step on and play. That's Somebody's got to play. You're not going to – you know, you, you can't be a guy who wants the front-liners front not to play much mm-hmm. and let's, let's not play the rookies either. It doesn't work that way, so – they're, they're going to miss. Would Campbell have played this week if he's healthy? Probably. They need to be out there and play X number of reps in preseason games. A pair of tight ends as well, and Jack Doyle and Ross Travis. Travis, not his, uh, not the ACL, but it's, a, hamstring. It's a hamstring. Yeah, so a soft tissue injury for him, trying to work his way back into the lineup from that injury last year. Had a pretty good preseason last year. Did Correct. Ross Travis before that? Very, very, very late in the fourth preseason. He said two game. minutes yeah, to play. Just ridiculous. Uh, losing a season like that that that's tough pill to swallow so i mean with two with two tight ends there mike i'll I'll mention this 
maybe this is an opportunity in this first game to see some of the wide receivers because it is a deep group of wide receivers, even if Paris Campbell's on this list too. But And T.Y. won't play exactly. much, Exactly. T.Y. and Devin Funches will play a little bit, but it'll be a chance to see a guy like a Deion Kane, which Frank Reich says Kane will play about a quarter, a quarter and a half coming off the torn ACL last year. So they're not going to overwork him. But I think he will get some smoke out there, as will Darius Fountain, the other wide receiver drafted last year. Guys like Akreshawn Hogan, who has been on the practice squad for a couple years, Marion University, Warren Central represent. Right. With those two tight ends on the list, if they're going to the air, we might see a little bit more from the wide receivers. With Deion Kane, you, you want him to get out there and play. Yes, he's absolutely. Pra- he's practiced, but the last time he played in a game, he blew out his ACL. He played 20 snaps against Seattle last year. And it was a non-contact Non-contact, yeah. which doesn't diminish... The severity, but you're thinking, you know, you get all these blow-up plays, and you, you, you run a route, and your and your knee gives out. So I think it's important, you know, you know, to, to get back on the horse, so to speak. And he's been very upbeat. I, I wouldn't overwork him. Maybe a quarter. Uh, we'll get to it shortly. But Jacoby Brissett will start, play about a quarter, and then Philip Walker takes over, and we'll see how much since they're in Buffalo, and and they they brought in Chad Kelly. Do, do you let him play? A quarter, I think he plays quarter and a half before family and friends. So, uh, uh, but again, I just I just don't know how much frontliners play. Th- th- does the starting offensive line need Costanzo? No, I mean, I know, and, and Quentin Nelson and people. You know, the backup center is going to be Josh Andrews. Right. How much do you play your starters? I don't I don't know what you're getting out of continuity. If, if you're not going to play one or two guys, then what's the continuity? other than getting your backup left tackle to get some work, and I'm not even sure who the backup left tackle is. The Raven Clark, might probably. might be the Raven Clark, yeah. But uh, so I, it, it's – that's why you have to sort of watch, and we can talk about briefly, is how this isn't about winning and losing. You know, yeah, they're going to keep score, but this is about evaluating. I remember, I remember when Howard Mudd was here in the 2000s in preseason, the offensive line looked awful during games because they, they never looked to get – well, who's our second offensive line? They didn't do it that way. They're trying, who, who's our backup here? Who's our backup there? Can this guy play different spots? So you're evaluating people at certain positions and not the entire unit. I think we're going to see that again. Antonio Garcia, Jamarcus Webb, also some other names that could be Maybe, that maybe Jamarcus Webb is that guy. You, you, again, it's like luck. You hope you don't find out. Right. But Costanzo misses, what, five games last year. Mm-hmm. So uh, you, you've got to – it's all about – depth that you believe in. It's not de- everybody has depth. I always used to argue with Tony Dungy. Well, what about your depth at this? We have depth. Yeah, he's a undrafted rookie. <laughs> so it's having depth at positions so when player X is out, you don't lose too much. Now, there are certain players if, if they go out, you're going to lose quite a bit. But you need to have some depth that you can sleep at night knowing that this guy's going to play a game or two and you're not going to have a major drop off out of all the 32 teams in the nfl the colts might be one of the top two or three to feel best about their backup quarterback though to be perfectly honest with Jacoby Brissett there he started 15 20 games in the nfl which you don't see often in a backup qb so Jacoby Brissett will take the first snaps against buffalo um barring a very unforeseen circumstance and he's expected to play about a quarter is what frank reich said so even even though there's no luck only one quarter for Jacoby Brissett seems like a very little amount. I'm sure that that number will increase in the next couple games because still I'm sure Andrew Luck will not play preseason game number two since he hasn't even taken the practice field yet. But we'll get one quarter from Jacoby Brissett. After that, it's Philip Walker's turn. And then perhaps after that, Chad Kelly. Um, 
what is this an important preseason for Jacoby Brissett? Because it's his. I, I would say for him personally, it's important because uh, at, this is his last year in his contract, and if how well he does in this preseason may determine the type of contract he gets in the offseason, assuming, again, that Andrew Luck will be healthy throughout this regular season. Then if he's not, and Jacoby plays in the regular season, obviously that's the tape that you throw out there. But, hey, if you assume Andrew Luck's going to be healthy, and Jacoby Brissett, I would say, has to do that, thinking that Andrew's going to be back, you've got to go out there thinking, i got to put my best shot out there so that I set myself up best for my future, whether it's here in Indianapolis or it's elsewhere, Mike. And again, you talk about a quarter. That That's basically what Luck played last year. He played a quarter at Seattle, and he threw nine passes, whatever. So, Brissett's doing what Luck did last year. I would think he'd play more week two and then more week three because that's just what they've done. But, but it, it, it is important, and we tried to talk to him about it, and he sort of wasn't in a expansive mood the other day. But the 15 games he played with the Colts two years ago, it was on the fly. He, he he barely knew the the playbook. He'd been here like what was it ten days before he started. So and, and he showed signs, and he also showed signs that he was winging it. it was it thirteen touchdowns, seven interceptions? They were four and twelve. Another four touchdowns on the ground as well. Right, mm-hmm. and I tell you, you could argue that take away like four plays that season, and they win six or seven games. Yeah, because but the problem is the the bonehead mistakes they made were killers. Cincinnati a pick six when they when they're leading in inside all, the twenty yard line inside yeah. the, so but th- this is an important time because we all sort of and I include myself we all sort of overvalued Brissett we thought there might be a market for him two years ago in this past year and there wasn't this, certainly this past year we've seen just enough of Jacoby Brissett to think there might be something there and but but it's always with that caveat of of a four and twelve season when the team wasn't very good, and he but he, he made it manageable, and you're right. This this will be his tape, barring something happening during the season. I think he threw four passes last year. One of them was to Luck, and they need to a sidebar throw that out of the book. Mm-hmm. Throwing the ball to Andrew Luck on third and whatever was fun to see. You don't want your quarterback getting killed by by that, but it is an important time. And an important time for Philip Walker too. I, I don't want to mention much on Chad Kelly because I think he's, I think he's just an extra player he's right just now. There. He's just there because you want an extra player there. But Philip Walker has shown, he he's shown some some good things, pretty small, but 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 he's got great mobility. We were joking with uh, Frank Reich is about how they're going to game plan, how Vanilla is going to be. But they've put in some plays for Philip Walker, mm-hmm. you know, run plays. And it's, it's funny. He said, we put in a run play, and it worked pretty well. So they, that night they say, you know, let's put another run play. So before we know it, you got five or six run plays for Philip Walker. But uh, it, it is important. And, and what's what I always guard against, too, is you've got Philip, you got Jacoby Brissett playing out there, meaningful moments, and it may be with a backup offensive line. And it may be, it won't, it, it will be with the backup running back. It won't be with Eric Eber and T.Y. Hilton. So, He's a little bit hamstrung. You can say, well, the other team's going to be stubborn as well, but but not right away. So you just have to always guard against judging too high or too low because keep in mind who, who, who that quarterback is out there with. So what exactly are you looking for during this preseason, Mike? And we'll, we'll focus on this first game in Buffalo uh, for, for now since that's the one that's immediately on the horizon. 
Um, I, I think being the first game, you want to see everything. You want to see so many things. Like you said, who's the backup left tackle, at least for now, trying to work their way into that. That's just one topic you could bring up. But uh, the, the rookies, uh, how, how do they do? How do they perform the first job, first appearance under the lights in the NFL? Wide receivers, how's that shaking up? Uh, if you can point to one or two things that you're, you're trying to pay attention to this Thursday night, broadcast on Fox 59, by the way, in the Indianapolis area, 7 o'clock. <laughs> Blue Zone before that at 6.30, also on Fox 59, half-hour pregame show. Myself, Chris Hagan, hosting from the studio. Our Chris Woodlick in Buffalo, live. Nice intro. The field. Thank you. Appreciate that. What are you looking for this Thursday? Competency. Act like you, act like you belong. And again, I, I won't get the least bit hung up on, on the score as long as it's not. I went to Green Bay one time. It was like 58 to 10. Yeah. You don't want those. but but Or 38 to nothing, the Bengals one year. Just competitive, competent, efficient, no blowness or a few blown assignments, which you're going to have playing young players, but in the hustle, it's just you, you, your focus is on individual. How do they run the ball you know, with, a, with a makeshift offensive line and whoever the backup running back is? But do you see the same things from you've seen in, in a game you have in, in, in practice? Okariki, I think Okariki's going to play a lot because Anthony Walker won't play a lot. Right. So this is a chance for Okariki and EJ Speed to play. Uh, and I'd like to see that the receivers make plays. I'd love to see Creshawn Hogan out there making plays. Please, th- th- yes. Th- this is a guy you just you just pull for. I love the guy. He's, love he's, him. He's been through a lot. He's had the, I can't remember if it was an ACL or just a knee. I think it was an ACL. I think it was an ACL too. And one of the first games he played for the Colts on special teams. Those are guys you pull for. I, you know, practice squad is probably his ceiling here right now, but he's out there making plays. He's healthy. I, I'd like to see Justin Houston make a few plays, but he won't. I doubt if he plays. Right. But it's it's all in the young kids. Funches. We mentioned Funches. I think he does play a series or two just just to get out there, I suppose. But again, I come back to competency. Act like you belong, and just don't have the busted plays that sometimes you have when young players play. I think a guy that we haven't mentioned yet that this could be a good or a big preseason, big season for is Mo Alleycox and how he's coming along. You know, he was kind of a developmental player, but with both Ebron and Doyle entering the final years of their contract, you kind of like to see if he can take the next step and, you know, see how that tight end position is going to shake out going into the future. And that's, again, a point that, that I made uh, about 10 minutes ago was that Jack Doyle and Ross Travis won't play. So, And I doubt Eric Ebron, won't play Ebron much, plays much. Yeah, so you're going to see a good amount of Mo Alleycox probably Thursday. So that's certainly a good thing to look out for. And he's, and he's at a very, very good camp. Mm-hmm. And this is the guy that's still learning the position. They love the guy. I'm going to write next week about the tight ends. And it's such a diverse, deep group. And again, it's so deep. They, I get the impression they want to keep four tight ends, barring injury, and that, that's a lot of tight ends to keep. But keep in mind how much Frank Reich loves his tight ends. Mm-hmm. He's always had a tight end uh, focused offense, whether it's in back in the Buffalo days to to Philly to to Indy and into Philly and now. So uh, this is a big preseason for Mo Ali Cox. Not not that his roster spots in, in jeopardy but showing what he can do as a total tight end. You mentioned uh, Bobby Okereke and the linebackers. That's probably the number one on my list of just what I want to see in this game. I want to see these young, super athletic linebackers they drafted. How does that athleticism translate onto the field? I think when you get into more position groups like wide receiver and cornerback, 
Uh, I can look at that maybe a little bit down the line for who's going to be the third or fourth corner, who's going to be the fourth or fifth or sixth wide receiver, maybe in preseason game two or three or even four. But but I'm really excited to see what these young guys can do on the field. Uh, what can Bobby Okereke do? What can EJ Speed do in their limited time in this learning this defense? And also, if I want to add one more, I would say, what can uh, Kari Willis do with safety? Because he's a guy that Chris Ballard traded up for, again. And I, I, I always harp back on that stat whenever I mention uh, he's Willis. A, he's not a guy that trades up. No, never. I mean, he, he's a guy that trades he back trades to, get that, to get that extra fourth rounder. Exactly. Well, so he traded they, up. He gave up a fourth rounder right. to go up and get uh, Kari Willis. So, and again, uh, he'll get a chance to play a lot because I, I doubt Clinton Gathers plays. Right. Hooker, maybe Hooker plays a little bit, but maybe I, two series and then maybe. see ya. So, but you've got the George Odoms and, and Matthias Farleys and people like that. So, there, there's just and when you talked about the linebackers, again, I don't think Darius Leonard plays. Maybe mm-hmm. Anthony Walker, not much. But you've got Okariki's been going as the backup with Walker, but with with Leonard probably not playing. But Okariki and and EJ Speed at the, at the same time. And let them play and let them run and let them make their mistakes, but showcase what they can do. And they've really, it was obvious they, they wanted to upgrade that position because Banigou was drafted to be the, the Sam linebacker until they saw what they had and now he's defensive end. So yep. they're looking to upgrade that position without question. So we'll make one final point before wrapping things up on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. And that's the fact that uh, you should not necessarily expect a bunch of wins in the preseason or. It, Maybe no NFL team does, but the Colts in particular, because Frank Reich asked about this and he alluded to him growing up as a coach, A, under Tony Dungy, and B, also as a player under Marv Levy with the Buffalo Bills. Those two teams during those times are notorious for losing preseason games, Mike. So it's it's not the fact that uh, that they're going out there looking for a W, even though, yeah, sure, coaches will say that, yeah, winning is always nice, but... They're trying to evaluate more things right now, 100% that way. Um, and so so don't, don't expect uh, to chalk them up on the scoreboard after uh, after each preseason game right now. The, the, the numbers to keep in mind, in Frank Reich's 10 years in Buffalo, they were 13-29 and 29 and won in the preseason. This is a team that went to four straight Super Bowls. And remember back in the, in the 2000s with the Colts, in that nine-year stretch when Dungy got here to Jim Caldwell's second season, 11 and 27 in the preseason. And the one stat that the Colts used to get so mad that I put out in the, in the paper, they had one stretch where they were 4 and 23 in the preseason. <laughs> and all, my only argument back, I said, well, then win a few more games and I'll make it 6 <laughs> and 21. But it just shows you that they were, their, their mindset is, long, is, is bigger picture. How do we get this team better, not how do we go 3 and 1 or whatever. So. That, that's why I say the approach they're taking this year, it's not, yes, yes, they want to win. Yes, you want to have that culture. But last year it was important to win because Frank Reich's trying to put his stamp on this roster. Now they're trying to get better for the long term. And that's why I just don't, I, winning is, is secondary, maybe even third or fourth on the list as opposed to what they want to get done in preseason. And before we wrap this up here, I wanted to push that next week we'll be recording live at training camp uh, in the Colt City. Uh, we're thinking around 2.30 we're going to start the uh, podcast there. Um, so that'll be a lot of fun. If you can make it out, come see us. Come say hi. Um, obviously, we can't uh, say hi too much back as we're recording, but we'd we might love wave to see you out you. there. Yeah, absolutely. We might ask some 
you know, fan we'll, questions. We'll, we'll have security guards all around us to where fans can't get, can't get nervous. <laughs> Naturally. There will be snipers up on the roof uh, of, of Grand Park. So that's the 14th. That's Wednesday the 14th, Joe. It's going to be 2.30 in the afternoon? Correct. Okay. If baby Griffiths uh, obliges, I will be there. Otherwise, who knows? I to- My wife is due on the 15th. So I, it- I told you off air that your wife needs to adhere to schedules. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell so her that. tell her to... To suck it up, uh-huh. rub, rub dirt on it, <laughs> and, and deliver on time, and, and it allows you to do your job. Is that? Can you tell her that for me? Is that too much to ask? That's really. Right. Is that too much to ask? We'll, we'll, we'll find out next week. So maybe I'll be out there enjoying the sunshine with you guys. Uh, maybe I will not. Nevertheless, um, looking forward to certainly continuing this stretch through the rest of the preseason and the regular season as well. But that has been the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Uh, be sure to subscribe. Get this delivered to your listening device week after week. And again, before the Colts kick off against the Buffalo Bills, Thursday at 7 o'clock, tune in to Fox 59 at 6.30 on Thursday for a live pregame Colts Blue Zone television show. Chris Hagan and I in studio, Chris Widlick on the road in Buffalo. And then next week, we will certainly deliver another Colts Blue Zone podcast, wrapping up everything we learned from this preseason game number one and looking forward to preseason game number two as well. Follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. Follow Mike Chappell at mchapel 51 Follow myself at DaveG underscore sports. And follow Joe Hopkins as well at Roto Street Joe. This is the Colts Blue Zone podcast. We'll see you next time. <laughs>